Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. This is C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, coast to coast, border to border, throughout the fruited plains of America. Thank you for coming along with us daily as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation right here over Red State, the talk monster, the largest talk uh, radio um, platform in the nation, most listened to throughout the Fruited Plains. If you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not, the iconic Ripley's, believe it or not, and there you will see the Red State Talk billboard there above iconic Ripley's. And every hour on the hour, well, not on the hour, but every hour, the C.L. Bryant Show pops up there on the giant screen in Times Square, one block from where we drop the big ball. And old C.L.'s face looking right back there uh, at you. And things are beginning to uh, bustle and hustle again in Times Square. People are beginning to come out and mingle again, but we still have problems on um, the horizon when it comes to how do we uh, make the Chinese pay for this. Gordon Chang, Professor Gordon Chang, uh, an attorney extraordinaire, is coming up um, on the show here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, he is an international voice on this, and we certainly going to want to talk to him about uh, the Chinese and how we make them pay uh, for this. I just got the um, incredibly, incredibly sad news from uh, one of my dearest friends, uh, one of my sons, actually, in the ministry, um, Donnie Riley, Donnie and Sean Riley, has lost their son, Donnell. Uh, I remember when he was a little kid. Of course, Donnell was never really a little kid, but but uh, he um, lost his life to corona virus, and from what I understand, his mother spoke to uh, his father, my friend Donnie, just um, a few minutes ago, actually, and um, he was saying to me that uh, they never got a chance to see their son after they came and got him and put him on the in the ambulance that was it and there's a lot of um, improprieties uh, that happen surrounding the questioning the questions that the family had that his father had for his son Donnell um, that you should need you should want them answered uh, to throughout America you should want them because see this story has happened over and over again to you, American people, and we uh, have allowed them to do this to 
us. Not the president's fault. Uh, you know, the president, I think, has probably done everything he possibly could to prevent these types of <clears throat> stories and things. But something went awry here, especially when we're talking about transparency with the Chinese. And, hey, uh, I am not advocating, I will not advocate any type of um, retaliation or discrimination against any people, color, or creed. I'm talking about governments, uh, principalities, uh, you know, uh, those types of policies, world leader type policies. Not talking about a people here. We're talking about a government, a policy uh, direction that we are talking about here. And so don't anybody get crazy and get this twisted. Okay, <clears throat> we're not talking about retaliating against people. We're talking about retaliating against uh, the government that uh, is so entrenched and ingrained in its own image and lies that it would not share with the world the fact that there was something that was coming out of its borders that could kill us all. That's what we're, we're wanting to deal with that government who would not share with the world that there was something that was coming out of its borders from beyond its borders to the rest of the world that would kill us all. Somebody needs to pay for that. And certainly I agree with uh, my uh, friends and his family. Be um, down around my hometown sometime next week. Sure, look forward to stopping by. And, uh, talking to and seeing them of course uh, I don't know how that's going to work uh, you know as far as concerned but anyway we'll work it out I'm CL this is the CL Brian Show coming up bottom of the hour Professor Gordon Chang uh, foremost um, scholar on all things China uh, will be on with me and then uh, later on in the show I have Pastor Tim Karskatton uh, APAC, American-Israeli Political Action uh, PAC, will be on with me. And um, looking forward to that. There'll be hour number two. If you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryan Show, you can download free the C.L. Bryan Show app onto your favorite device. And, of course, if you want to become a part of a movement, go to FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org is where you need to go and become a part of a movement that is not backing down, not stepping away, not going away, all because of people like you who have become a part of a movement that speaks to your heart as an American. FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org. Now, what are we going to do about this uh, spread of this virus? Because it's still spreading. It's killing, still killing and there's going to be many more deaths. I just told you about the death of a uh, young, uh, young man I've known since he was a little, little boy, a little, little kid, uh, just beginning to walk. Uh, known him. And um, it's hard to believe. But uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to all of the American families. I'm familiar with that. My wife, of course, you know, she has passed away. 
and um, you know that um, I at least got a chance to say goodbye. But there are so many who have not had that opportunity. I mean, it's going to be, and the truth of that, the truth of that has not uh, really come out as to just how many did die from Corona, COVID-19 infections, related symptoms and things. The Attorney General, uh, well, Attorney uh, Alan Dershowitz, says the Constitution gives the governments, the state governments, the state governments, the power to vaccinate people in order to prevent the spread of contagious disease. Which means that your state governor, once a vaccine is available, will be able to mandate that you get it. Oh, this won't be like the flu the flu shot. No, 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 no. Although they just about got you in a situation where you're going to have to get the flu shot too. Okay. Uh, oh, the, Chinese, the, the, the government, like that Chinese government has caused all kinds of difficulties for uh, freedom-loving people, people who don't want others telling them what to inject into their bodies and, and they know how to, you know. This, this has just set a lot of things back for freedom-loving people. But uh, constitutional professor uh, Alan Dershowitz was asked, uh, you have to be if, if it's going to be necessary, if the states mandate that uh, it's necessary for um, its citizens to be vaccinated, he was asked, was that constitutional? Of course, his answer was absolutely. If you refuse to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to the doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. Oh, you hear it? Oh, you, uh, if you don't want to do it and the government says this is how we do it, guess what? Even though we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, now we can rebel. We can take up arms against it, but uh, this is for the public good, they're telling us. What Dershowitz is saying, that when it comes to the public good, the state can mandate that you as a citizen get a shot. If you refuse, Alan Dershowitz, he's pulling our coattails to it, telling us uh, all about it. If you refuse, if you refuse... You can literally, the state, the state authorities, the state officials, the sheriff, can literally take you to a doctor and have a needle plunged into your flesh. 
so that you're vaccinated. Bet. Done. Caught. Catch. Release. <laughs> Got that one. Release them. Are there any others out there that we need to go and catch, bring in, and plunge the needle into their arm? This coronavirus thing has created a situation where it challenges the ability of us to remain sovereign within our own self. The same thing. What, what, you know, the same thing happened though with me with uh, tuberculosis, polio. It, it, it happened the same way. They told you you better bring your child. Your child, but in fact, your child ain't going. Is not going to school. Jane had always wanted me to stop saying "ain't." I'm doing my best. <laughs> your child is not going to school in certain states where if they have not been vaccinated, and it's to protect. Uh, your child from other children or the other children from your child who may have uh, their uh, disease against each other. You put a bunch of kids in a room together, it's like putting puppies in a kennel who have not been vaccinated. Somebody's going to get sick. It's going to happen. And that's what is happening. And that's what has happened um, to us. But know this. Know this. Do not take uh, with a grain of salt what I have said you had better totally savor and um, turn over on your palate what I've told you the day is coming and we always talk about one world government we always talk about how does that come about we always thought that maybe some war some uh, you know president or the world leader coming to power would lead us to a one world uh, government one world religion is where they'd like to go to uh, and that would be socialism yeah uh, <laughs> that would be socialism or it not it would not be any of the uh, big three you know Judaism Christianity or Islam it would not be either one of those it would be socialism it would be the world religion and what could bring about a state of mind throughout the world that would make us go for a socialist doctrine. Yeah, it's a natural disaster and disease that would make that happen. A natural disaster in disease would make that happen. And that's what's um, going on. A worldwide natural disaster with a disease moniker would make that happen. There's no, uh, it, it, it means that all governments having or having to cooperate interchangeably with one another to effectively stop and arrest the spread of a, a disease that is pandemically affecting the whole world. It would call for governments to work together. With the president that we have now, America would certainly remain sovereign and independent of um, falling under the spell of the UN, the United Nations, or the EU. We would remain independent. This president, and along with people like myself and many Many others would absolutely 
fight against being controlled by anyone other than American interest or an American president, the commander-in-chief. But if you often ask yourself, how does a one-world system come about, um, look at what is happening now. And, and, and also, even when you look at who we are uh, lining up to um, make responsible for the entire world being in this type of situation, you're talking about nations who have already taken sides against the Chinese, who is, by the way, one quarter of the world's population. Oh, you start lining Chinese up and marching them into the sea. The next generation would have grown up before you would have gotten to the youngest one. And from the oldest to the youngest, if you started marching Chinese into the sea, the youngest one in line would have grown up before you could do that. <laughs> That's how many Chinese there are. Oh, well, there's a But we're not talking about the people in, in necessarily. We're talking about governments and government policies and practices, principalities. We're talking about those types of things and the evil that goes on in those high places. Not the people. So not in any way am I... Um, uh, whoever you are, red, yellow, black, white, uh, whoever you are in this country, not advocating any type of retaliation against you or your people. I am just wanting the truth to come out about what happened, and then whatever government is responsible for this happening, we want to hold them accountable. But you better not be deceived about this at all. You better not be deceived about this at all. This was, in fact, intentional. Uh, and Gordon Chang's going to come on. He's going to talk to us about it. Um, Gordon was um, quoted or tweeted out um, earlier. Yes, every nation should join the Yellow Economic Circle, hashtag Yellow Economic Circle, and boycott hashtag China. No trade, no investment, no licensing, no travel. Let's all starve evil. Those are strong words. And we're going to talk to the man who penned them, Gordon Chang, Professor Gordon Chang, when we return with more of the C.L. Bryant show after uh, these brief words um, don't you go anywhere if you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryan Show. Download free the C.L. Bryan Show. Be right back.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. Coming up here in just a few minutes will be Professor Gordon Chang, who is advocating no trade, no investment, no licensing, no travel. Let's all starve. Evil. Uh, hashtag yellow economic circle. Hashtag China. Yeah. Let's boycott China. Join the Yellow Economic Circle. Is that something that Gordon's kicked off himself? Uh, we want to speak to him about that. Hey, friends, uh, this is no joke. This is all very, very, very serious. And um, when we look at the untold, yet to be untold. It is yet untold. How many people around the world, around the globe, have died from this? Someone need to be held accountable. And it breaks my heart. I got to tell you this. It, it, to, to see so blatantly people who know better, people who have benefited from the policies of this administration blame this president and the administration for something that he had no control over. I heard some uh, senator on on, on uh, uh, television this morning, early this morning, uh, asking a, a question, how many American lives does this administration want to lose for the sake of uh, a high GDP for points being raised in our GDP? How stupid is that question? Why is this administration forcing people to go back to work without any regard for their health? Who would ask such a stupid question? But even even more so, who would believe such a stupid thing? But who would ask such a stupid question? And then... Who would believe such a stupid thing? Oh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. 
who'd be asking such stupid questions. But I tweeted out a little bit earlier today that the truth shall make you free. And someone who does and has been speaking truth for a long time now is my next guest, Professor Attorney Extraordinaire and outspoken voice for America and American principles, uh, someone who I greatly admire and respect, um, Professor Gordon Chang. Welcome back to the C.L. Bryant Show. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you so much. Thank you uh, for being on with us, Gordon. Now, you have launched an all-out uh, boycott against China. You don't want us to do any business with them. In fact, you're advocating starving the evil. Tell us what you really think there, Gordon, about China and how we should approach it. Well, of course, we'd like to have robust relations with every country. But unfortunately, China has deliberately taken steps that have resulted in the deaths now of 90,000 Americans, and that number will be much higher when the outbreak finally subsides. Uh, so we should not be enriching a regime that uh, took steps that knew would result in great economic harm and the death of Americans. So at this particular time, it's unfortunate, but we need to cut trade, investment, licensing, travel, all the rest of it. And this is going to be painful for us, but it's absolutely necessary. When we think about the measures that you are suggesting that we take against the Chinese, we then have to believe that the Chinese purposely allowed something to escape its borders without telling us that would kill the rest of the world if, in fact, we didn't arrest it. Was the World Health Organization who? Were they complicit? Uh, certainly WHO was complicit. The case against China rests on two principal factors. There are more, but the two principal ones are that it announced human-to-human -human transmissibility of uh, the coronavirus only on January 20. But Chinese leaders probably knew about this second week of December. Now, if they had said nothing during that five-week period, that would have been grossly irresponsible. But what they did was they deliberately tried to tell the world it was not human-to-human -human transmissible, and WHO helped them, especially with its infamous January 14th tweet, which said, look, based on information from China, there's no clear evidence of H-to-H, human-to-human transmissibility. The second foundation for this is that uh, because China knew that this was human-to-human -human transmissible, it should have prevented people from leaving China to infect the world. But in fact, China did the opposite. What it did was pressure countries to accept arrivals from China, not to impose quarantines and restrictions. And World Health Organization helped them with its January 10th statement, which said uh, countries shouldn't be imposing these types of travel restrictions. You put those two things together, and it's clear that Chinese leaders knew that what they were doing would inevitably lead to death and infection around the world which makes them, by the way, responsible for this, um, and it leads to all sorts of conclusions. We can't cooperate with a country that has um, killed Americans. Let me ask you then, what is the game being played by so many on the left who want somehow Americans to believe that the president is pawning off the blame for this onto the Chinese? What's happening here in our own nation when it comes to our supporting this president in this time. Talk to us. 
Yeah, this is extremely, um, really concerning. Um, I can understand people might not vote for President Trump on November 3. But between now and um, at least noon on January 20 of next year, he's our president. He's the only person who can defend us against China, which is our common enemy, which is engaging uh, in these horrible attacks on us, unrelentingly, and vicious attacks. So um, my point of view is that we all need to rally behind the president, and the president has an obligation, of course, to make sure that he can get the support of others. So um, I believe right now, um, I don't know why the critics uh, are propagating the narratives of Chinese communism, but this borders on disloyalty. The amount of money uh, Gordon Chang, our special guest, is Professor Gordon Chang, and um, who is all things China. In fact, Gordon, tell everyone how to get in touch with you, how to engage you and your thoughts before we go any further. Yeah, the best way is through Twitter, um, and my Twitter handle is Gordon G. Chang, G-O-R-D-O-N-G-C-H-A-N-G. And my website is www.gordonchang.com. What are we looking like as far as reopening our economy? Uh, we can't remain closed or we die anyway. Gordon, what are you, uh, what is your opinion on the reopening of America? Well, it, it's going to happen because Americans demand it. Um, I think there will be additional coronavirus cases. But let's remember why we had the lockdowns in the first place, and that was um, to flatten the curve so that our hospitals would not be um, overstressed. And we've done that. Um, the hospitals that we have are able to handle coronavirus cases. Um, so I think that, you know, we're going to see the economy reopen. And, and most people want it. It's a question of, you know, is it now or a couple of weeks from now? But I think that that's where we all are moving largely because the reason for the lockdown has passed. Gordon, the mask that we have been wearing, and some are mandating them now, we have seen, uh, is that a part of Chinese culture? I, I have many uh, friends uh, that I have talked to about this, but the, the audience at large, talk to us about the Chinese and why we have seen them wearing masks for many years now, uh, wherever you might travel throughout the world. Talk to us about that. Japanese wear masks when, when they're sick, and if you walk around Tokyo or in a Japanese city, you'll see um, people with masks um, in you know ordinary times. I, I think in general it might not be so much part of culture, but remember um, most of Asia, um, East Asia, went through SARS, the 2002-2003 epidemic. People were acclimated at that time to wearing masks, and so it came more naturally now to wear masks. Um, in Asia than it did in the United States. Is the vaccine that uh, the president has actually whipped through, uh, you know, and his people have whipped through, is it the end all, or have we actually uh, entered into, uh, are we not in Kansas anymore, Gordon Chang? How's America look going forward? Yeah, I'm not a virologist. Um, I would suspect, um, you know, a vaccine, of course, is going to help. Um, but, um, you know, vaccines are, uh, first of all, not 100% effective. You know, they might be 99.99% effective. But, you know, you, you do have problems. Um, also, um, you know, the coronavirus is now embedded in our population. 
it's going to be around. It's going to mutate. Uh, who knows what's going to happen next year or a couple of years down the road. Um, but, you know, once this has gotten into our country, and thanks to China, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to live with this uh, for quite some time. Let's talk about, uh, finally, with you, Gordon, trade deals that were on the table with China. How then does this affect our relationship? Now, it's damaged it, no doubt. Uh, that goes without saying. But how does it affect business? Gordon J. Well, the, the phase one trade deal, which was signed on January 15th, may or may not be honored by China. Um, China's been making noises that it was wanted to be relieved of its most important obligation, which is to buy an additional $200 billion of goods and services over a two-year period, considering a 2017 baseline. Um, and if China doesn't adhere to that, then there's certainly going to be no phase two deal. I think even in the best of circumstances, um, there's going to be no phase two, because those are the issues that China doesn't want to uh, compromise on. They go to the core of what Chinese leader Xi Jinping wants for the Chinese economy, basically state domination, state subsidies, all the rest of it. So um, I don't see very much going forward um, on uh, trade deals with China. To bring the conversation full circle here today with uh, Gordon Chang, uh, uh, professor, attorney extraordinaire, and outspoken uh, voice when it comes to America and dealing with Chinese. And I want everybody to understand, we're talking about governments, principalities, and policies. We're not talking about uh, people or you know, discriminating in any way against a people or anything of that nature. But there are governments that act in evil ways, and that is what we are wanting to punish. And the Chinese government did, in fact, act in a way that was evil to the entire world. And, uh, Gordon, to bring the conversation full circle, you're saying that this was something that they could have um, thwarted. They could have, this could have been stopped. Is that your opinion on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. This should have been an epidemic confined to the center part of China. Um, Beijing um, let it get out. And once it uh, was spread throughout China, I think Xi Jinping decided to level the playing field by spreading the virus elsewhere. We don't know what was in his mind, but if that's in fact what he wanted to do, he would have done exactly what in fact he did do. And yeah. so from that, we can infer an evil motive. Wow. Well, if that's what he wanted to do, if that's the, what he wanted to accomplish, then that's exactly what he did accomplish. That is chilling. Gordon Chang, God bless you. God keep you as my prayer for you and uh, continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are fighting the good fight. Thank you for coming on with me. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. And hey, listen, uh, this is the second month that you're on. I'm going to have you on at least once a month, Gordon Jane. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, C.L. Bryant. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm C.L. This is the C.L. Bryant Show. That was a friend of the show, Gordon Chang. Uh, and he's going to be coming on with us um, uh, very um, often. I just love, love, love his straightforwardness. And I just love um, his, um, he was a beautiful brain. He was a beautiful brain. Beautiful. Was that, it was a movie, I think. Uh, beautiful Mind. That's Gordon. Gordon has a beautiful mind. Uh, coming up uh, after the top of the next hour will be Pastor uh, Tim Karskadden, friend of mine there in Shreveport, Louisiana. He is with APAC, uh, American Israeli um, PAC is what it is. Uh, and um, they are, they're strong. They're incredible. 
and he's going to be on with us, and he's going to talk to us about what they are doing on the second anniversary of the announcement that the capital of Jerusalem would be recognized by America. Uh, the capital of Israel would be recognized by America from henceforth as the eternal city, Jerusalem, where it, since King David, <laughs> that was the, that has been the capital of Jerusalem, is the eternal city as far as scripture is concerned. And um, somehow they took it down to Tel Aviv, uh, trying to be gauche, I mean, not gauche, but um, well, nouveau. And um, which is was wrong. Jerusalem is the historic and eternal capital of Israel, according to what God has told them. It was the city of David, or it was the, the, yeah, the great city. And so um, that's where the temple is. And of course, Jerusalem, uh, Israel being founded as a theocracy, the temple is was the the center of who what they were all about. And you can always tell when they wanted to break away from that. They moved or they recognized a very Tel Aviv is night and day from Jerusalem. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tel Aviv, you can do anything you want to do in Tel Aviv. Jerusalem, not so much. But Tel Aviv, uh, very much like America. Very much like America. Jerusalem, no, very much orthodox, uh, both in the Muslim tradition and in, of course, the Jewish tradition. Friends, um, we have a fantastic, a golden opportunity here to see ourselves involved in saving a republic by becoming involved with organizations like FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org. Tell me you heard about it right here on the CL Friday show. Um, by becoming involved with organizations like FreedomWorks, who is... A, who are a movement you become engaged with preserving the republic what good is having a home if you don't have one to go home to well you got a home but there's nothing there You got a job. You had one three months ago. You didn't get fired. Nobody laid you off. The job's not there. It just went away. Can anybody say fragile? I'm CL. We'll be right back. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth So you clean me up inside You thought I was to die for
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always lend a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. I want to thank each and every one of you. For coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation daily right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. My guest in the last segment was Professor Attorney Extraordinary Gordon Chang. And um, highly sought after commentator. You see him all the time on Fox. We see him anywhere. See Gordon everywhere. He's become a good friend of the show and uh, mine. And I certainly appreciate him coming on with us. Going to have him on at least once a month. Uh, to bring us up to speed on all things China and, of course, what's his take on what we, uh, how we're doing uh, here in America as um, we approach uh, the election day, 2020, November 3rd, President, re-election of President Donald John Trump, 45th President of the United States. Um, yes, uh, well, a couple of days ago, the, the President revealed to everybody and and this is to this gives you well let me let me help you with this because i know a lot of people have trouble with the president being so forthright this doesn't help it this doesn't hurt anybody doesn't hurt doesn't hurt at all for him to tell you the um convictions that he has and that he actually puts his money where his mouth is right the president came out and um, admitted, well, he revealed, he didn't have to admit anything, that um, he takes the anti-malarial drug hydroquilocin as a preventative measure against coronavirus. Uh, it was his own personal health decision. Presidents have a right to do what they want to do with their own health, just like you do. But, of course, they were denied due process. But they, they still have the right to do it with their own. They, 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 they can take whatever supplement they want as long as uh, you keep them from killing themselves. And um, his doctors consulted with him. Uh, I'm sure the Secret Service is informed that the president is taking this stuff. Evidently, the con- general consensus is it won't kill him. And um, the president, um, being um, self-satisfied with who he is in his own skin, the president decides he wants to take this. But now the press is misreporting, mischaracterizing him taking it. Nancy Pelosi comes out. Now, now when <laughs> Nancy Pelosi comes on TV the other day, a couple of days ago, and says, well, he is the president and then he shouldn't be taking things that could be harmful to him. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Couldn't you just, um, oh my gag or something like that? Yeah, you know Nancy Pelosi don't care what happens. She said it herself. I don't care what he says. I don't care what happens to him. She, talk about resist, resist, resist. Talk about contrary, contra. That's what that is. Whatever he says, even if it saves the life of billions. Because Trump said it, it's got to be harmful. Friends, I'm telling you that, that is deranged. That's Trump derangement syndrome. Why it's it's happening? I don't know, but it's happening. It's deranged. And you have these people who have been so brainwashed by the media that they take in that they have been programmed when they hear the word Trump, they this glazed this glazed look comes into their eyes and this their their skin flushes with you know perspiration. They they have this derangement that they have been programmed to have at the mention of his name. And they don't care that they have been so duped into being and behaving in such fashion. They, they don't care. And they don't they don't know the man. They just know that they don't like his personality and uh, that's something uh, that is absolutely stupid because uh, I didn't like the, the, the best influence uh, other than my father and my pastor growing up was my coach. I didn't like him. Billy Joe Adcock, I didn't like him. But um, I didn't like his personality. didn't like his personality. Uh, coming from the Deep South, Billy Joe was... Uh, the epitome of that white guy. But see, I was living that in real time. Uh, you all today just take people with southern accents like me, whoever else, and you know, you somehow think that they are representative in real time today of people back in the 60s and 70s. It's just not. They inherited their fathers and mothers and grandparents' accent like I did, but uh, they live very much in today's times. All of my, 90% of my friends are from the South. And whether they're black or white, they're just good old boys. Wouldn't change if we could. Just some good old boys. <laughs> I recall back in the day. Now, let's tell you how things have changed. And I want you to think about this. And I want you to think about uh, how you've been programmed. Do any of you remember when the Dukes of Hazard was the number one show among blacks and whites on television? Huh? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? Now they what what was the name of the car that they drove? Huh? The General Lee. Yeah, General Lee. 
That was the car they drove. And what was the symbol on the top of the hood of the General Lee? The Confederate flag. Now, I recall this vividly, and I didn't think anything of it, but um, things would certainly go down if it happened today, and I'm wondering where did things go really sideways. We certainly didn't become any smarter between then and now. No, our children are much less. uh, We have more techno smarts, but as far as common sense, mother wit, no, we're much smarter back then. Much more book learned when you looked it up yourself, find it yourself, than we are now. Much more, much more. But we were broader minded. Some people will say, "Well, you guys were just stupid. You you didn't you hadn't stood up for yourself yet." Well, yes, we had. I knew little black kids who had General Lee uh, Dukes of Hazard. Lunch pails. Took them to school proudly. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was truly uh, on our minds and everything, and the one thing that uh, we all as men were glad to see occur was the advent of Daisy Dukes. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what made the show so palatable. For everybody, red, yellow, black, and white. Everybody liked the Dukes of Hazard. It didn't become a racist, hatred-filled show. The Roscoe, Pink Gold Trade, and the boys. Mm, Balls Hog. Huh? Oh, you remember all that? We weren't this keyed up and uh, back then, 40 years ago. We weren't this keyed up. What? What up? What's happening here? What happened to us? Was there an awakening? No, no, no. There was a brainwashing that occurred that has led to us actually taking down historic monuments for the sake of it. That's how deranged we have become, we have, we want to ignore our American history in order to preserve the way someone might feel about it. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Can't do that. It happened. And we have survived and we shall move on unless you decide to stay here or go back there, which you really can't do except in the prisms of your thinking and in your mind because there is no way you can revisit the past except in your mind and in your thinking. You can't do anything about it physically here at this present time, so why do we want to relive it? Doesn't make any sense. The only thing you can do is learn from it. And you can't learn from it if you hide it. I want to know the Civil War story. Who 
were the Confederates. I was born in Confederate Memorial Hospital. We were the Confederates. Why were the Confederates? You can't truly understand America and who we are, what we're about, and where we're going unless you understand the reasons for the Civil War. Um, we're the only nation who has ever fought a war for the items contained in the Articles of War. We split ourselves right in two for the items contained in the Articles of War, but if we had not been uh, as dedicated to the proposition that our nation was founded upon. And that's what drove Lincoln. It wasn't any love of black folks or anything of that nature. It was the fact that uh, Lincoln was a person who was principled. And that proposition that all men were created equal, seeing how it is, Lincoln was an avid scripture reader, he could not reconcile with himself how then that man could not have the same equality of making his own choices as any man had. How long can a nation so conceived to such a proposition endure? Especially when you have men who don't believe that those who were in bondage were entitled to make their own decisions for themselves. That's what Lincoln was talking about. How long can a nation dedicate it to that proposition? For whom? How long can it endure? Well, 242 years um, later, we're still here, 157, 157, I think, since um, the Gettysburg Address, we're still here. And with God's help, we will continue into the long, dark, and sometimes tedious journey that we have, but yet there's light at the end of the American tunnel. I'll be back. I'm just a pilgrim on this road, boy. Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. 
Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I'm C.L. Bryan, coast to coast, border to border, and I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us as we build a bridge every day, uh, all of our friends, and hey, Times Square is beginning to wake up again, even though incautiously. But if you're traveling, if you're going past um, iconic um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, look up above iconic Ripley's Believe It or Not, and there you will see the Red State Talk billboard. And every hour the C.L. Bryan Show does uh, pop up there on the billboard. No, C.L.'s facing right back at you there in Times Square. So I do appreciate all of you for making our show coast to coast uh, as popular as it has. Our guest in the last hour was uh, professor and lawyer extraordinaire, an outspoken American voice on China. Gordon Chang was our guest and uh, someone who I really have just as much even more respect for uh, is on with me now. And uh, he has done extensive work with American Israeli Public Affairs Committee. And what that is dedicated to doing is uh, strengthening and promoting, protecting United and United States and Israel Israeli uh, relationships. Help me welcome back to the show my good buddy, Pastor Tim Carskadden. How are you, man? I'm doing good. It's great to be on your show, CL. Tim, it's great to have you here, and hopefully, I see you soon coming uh, back toward home there uh, real soon. But let me uh, let me ask you this question. Here we are looking at the second anniversary of the capital of Jerusalem being moved. Why was that a good move on this president's part? Talk to us about that. Well, I think, you know, President Trump and his, his whole committee on his endeavors with Israel recognized that was always going to be a stumbling block, number one, any agreement of the, of the Palestinians and the Israeli Jews working together. And it's almost like he short-circuited it and moved it. But we know, you know, I'm a pastor and I know you minister as well. I mean, it's huge because it is a historical capital that has a longest history of any capital in the world as being the capital of the land of Israel. So the fact that a president of our nature, of our statue of President Trump, made the historic move of doing that, it set a precedence and little by little, we are starting to see other nations begin to talk about it. Some of them are doing it now, moving their capitals to Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel. And I think he just did what was already the, the right thing to do. He just took the unprecedented step of doing it. As you know, our government passed that law back in the 90s for that to occur. And no president up until President Trump had the courage to fulfill the law that had already been passed. So we honor him, and obviously that changed the landscape of Israel. began to move things along politically, economically. Many things started moving when he made that choice, and we couldn't have been any happier, you know, for what he did. Even I, I, you know, I work with APAC, like you said, and I'm on the National Council, and we celebrated that as an organization, and it's a secular organization, a Jewish organization. I'm not Jewish, but I'm in it as a Christian. But they celebrated that endeavor by the president, and I think it endeared them to many of the Jewish people 
in the world as well as in America. Absolutely. Uh, my special guest is Pastor Tim Proskatton, uh, APAC, uh, American Israeli Public Affairs Committee is my guest. Tim, tell people how to get in touch with you. Give your website and tell us how to get in touch with you and how uh, we can be of assistance to you and APAC if you're so inclined. Thank you, uh, TL. You can just go to our website, christiancentersupport.com, and uh, we have all our information there. You can emails. You can contact, contact us that way. ChristianCentersShreveport.com, is that it? That's it, it. that's it. ChristianCentersShreveport.com, Tim Corskadden. Tim, uh, let's uh, resume our conversation uh, with this. When we look at the election cycle that has happened and just uh, recycled itself in Israel, uh, can you give uh, our audience some type of insight of the way that government is formed there and... Uh, uh, is uh, Benjamin Netanyahu now in control of the government? Uh, he's been a friend to all of us here in this country, a friend of the president. I've met him. Great uh, man. Uh, talk to us about the Israeli government and relationship to America. Yeah, and it is a very confusing government, the way it's structured. I've sat in seminars and tried to learn it. And the, I think the more they talk, the more confusing it becomes. Basically, it's a coalition uh, government. You have different parties anywhere, 20, 30 different parties. And you have to create a coalition of a majority vote of the 120 members of Knesset. And once you cross that barrier, the 61 barrier, you can form a government. And they were unable to do that. They kept tying. And it was not able to be done for 18 months. It was in, in flux until they decided to do this uh, co-joining of uh, leadership between two different groups, Gantz and Netanyahu, and they finally agreed this week, matter of fact, was the week that they fully established a government after 18 months of stalemate, uh, all these elections in coming forward. And and the best part about this election, and whether you like Netanyahu or Gantz, either one, uh, they both are conservative and they do have a, a right wing, if you want to call that, of the party which is for a strong Israel, a strong Israel-American relationship. Uh, there are liberal sects in that government that would not be uh, that way toward America and would not be that way toward a strong Israel. Uh, there are many that believe that the land should be torn apart and they have other ideas that can happen there. So I think it stabilized something for us. And as we know, in the spiritual arena, I'm a pastor as Israel goes, so goes the world. It's almost like they're the barometer of the world. And and being unstable for that long, it's almost like you could watch the world be unstable. But now, I think as we look at them stabilizing, it's a beautiful picture of what can happen when people work together for the good. And, and I think ultimately, like I said, the movement is for a strong Israel uh, and for a strong conservative base. And it's amazing when you go to the land of Israel, this conservative base actually is coming mainly from people that have come and came from uh, communist countries. Wow. Uh, they, they lived under the oppression of Russia and Ukraine and even France now, the socialism. Uh, the largest uh, aliyah are people moving to Israel from other countries is France and Ukraine. And so those are the two top nations. And where are they coming from? Socialism, communism. They realize it doesn't work. So when they get to Israel, 
they are strong conservatives believing for, uh, you know, a strong capitalist government, uh, economy, I should say, and a government that is strong on those values because they've seen it. When they look at us and America trying to turn to the left and go, so they go, what is wrong with, they said it to me, are you crazy? Don't you realize what you're going toward? So they fight for that there. And so that is a strong base that's in that nation right now. You know, Tim, uh, you described something that does occur here in this country as well. People coming from communist bloc countries tend to appreciate the freedom here in America much more than those of us who... um, you know, uh, have been uh, baptized in it and born into it uh, all of our lives. With that said, let me ask you this. Uh, we'd love to have your commentary on this. We've got about 10 minutes left in, in the interview. I want to ask you this. Um, Israel is a nation, a very tiny nation. I've uh, pastored three churches in the 40 years, 42 years now that I've been preaching the gospel. Um, and before 1948, we're all aware that uh, some of the things contained in our preaching uh, especially uh, when we're looking at prophecy and that type of thing, could not have been known by preachers preaching before 1948, uh, before Israel became a nation again. They're surrounded by their enemies. The Palestinians are a fact of life uh, there in that region of uh, the world. And uh, But talk to us as to why the Muslim countries will not give Palestine a state of their own, why must they encroach upon that particular uh, portion of land, or why do they not want Israel to exist? Talk to us about that. Yeah, and, and that's a great topic, CL. And you know, this is obviously something that presidents have been talking about for you know since 1948, the battle that's going on. And prior to that, you know, the Arabs and the Jews got along well in the land, and of course, when they declared their their Independence, that's when the battle began. As you know, the Arab states were, are using the Palestinians as a pawn. We've talked about that in past shows. They are made up people. They're not a real people per se. They're refugees that are from the Middle East. And you see uh, Palestinians in Syria and uh, Jordan is majority Palestinians and even some of the other guys. And they're mistreated everywhere they are in the Arab world. Uh, ISIS punished the Palestinians in Syria during uh, their war with them, and it's so sad. You know, Arafat, who birthed him, if you want to say, you know, he's an Egyptian. He's not even, uh, quote, a Palestinian. Right, he was run out. He was run out of Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It is a pawn, and I, you know, for me, and I've met Palestinian Christians and worked with some Palestinians, it's sad because they have no identity as a person. You know, they're the Arabs don't want them, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're embattled in Israel themselves. Uh, so it's a very difficult place for them to be. But we know, you know, if we look at the biblical background, Israel is always going to have a, an enemy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they are it. I mean, they're just the, the thing. And, of course, they're deceived. The way they train the Palestinian children in their school to hate Jewish people, and, and it's just a sad commentary and the poverty that, that many of the Palestinians are in is not a legitimate poverty. The world gives them multiple, multiple billions and billions of dollars of aid every year. And we know what that goes for for terrorism. Uh, they pay their terrorist money if you do harm to a Jew, uh, things like that, where they're no longer 
using the money to help the people because they need a narrative. You got to understand a victim has to remain a victim. Yeah. Because if they're not a victim, then the world won't pay attention to them and send them money. Yeah. So let's say it gets balanced and their problem gets solved. Well, Europe says, well, they don't need to send money then. They're no longer a victim anymore. So they have to keep the mentality of a victim in order to keep the world spotlight on them and to entrench uh, corrupt politicians in their place. And that is, I think, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and the government has done way beyond what they should have sometimes to try to reach out and work a peace deal. But let's let's face it, Abbas will not meet with, with the government of Israel. Right. Uh, so you're talking about any peace opportunities. Somebody's got to come to the table. Israel has offered many times to come to the table. So it is a political peace, but it also, I call it, it's a political religious peace as well. Because you've got Islam uh, battle as well as a political, so they they do it together. You know, there's radical Islam. But what happened in 9-11 America was political and religious entities working together. And that's what you see there. They entrench the people because religion will entrench an idea within people. And then they add the political arm of it, and it becomes very dangerous. Even in our own Revolutionary War, the Brits, uh, their greatest fear was pastors because pastors yeah. could empower people. Yeah. And the people would fight against the British so they thought that we got to take care of those pastors because they're hurting us. Well, the same thing in Islam. The imams rally the people. They they put fire in them, and then the political arm goes with it. We saw that with Roman Catholicism in the Middle Ages as well. So you'll see a political and religious identity, and they're both dangerous when they work that way. A dangerous freedom or a peaceful slavery. Those have always been the choices that Americans have had, Thomas Jefferson's words and uh, let me say this to you tim you have been fighting a very good fight and uh friends i i have to tell you that as far as uh, our person my personal belief is concerned you're either a friend or foe of israel israel will always have enemies as used by heard pastor karskadden uh say israel will always have enemies just make sure that you are not one of them and uh that's the best advice that i can give you tim give your uh, website out again, and if we're inclined to help in any way, how can we do that? Thank you. I appreciate it. It's com, and uh, we have Facebook and YouTube uh, sites as well, but it, it'll track you from there to all those different sites. We appreciate you giving us that input. God bless you, man. God keep you. Continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will, Tim Carskatton, because you are. Thank you so much for being on with me. Talk to you soon, man. Thank you, CL. I'm CL. This is DC. Brian show and that was Tim Carscadden, Pastor Carscadden and uh, I have to tell you folks something, I am always always glad to have um, um, him on the show, uh, American Israeli Public Affairs Committee he is one of the, um, uh, on the one of the senior board members there and um, certainly um, want to, me, this is me talking this is certainly something that I always want to support, and that is anyone who is a friend or supporter of Israel. Uh, call me a, uh, a troglodyte or whatever you want to call me. You can do that. I, it does not matter. I am just saying to you that uh, to be a friend of Israel, you don't have to be an enemy of anybody. But it seems as though... Um, uh, you want to make people who 
are friends of Israel's enemies of folks. We're not against the Palestinians. It's just questions that we have. Uh, and that is, uh, why is it that the Palestinians being Arabs um, and the Arabs have all kinds of land surrounding the nation of Israel. I mean, that's who they're surrounded by. Their back is against the sea. And everything on all other sides, all the other three sides, are people who are their enemies. And we're talking governments here. Again, we're talking governments. The, the Arabs and the Jews um, got along just fine. Until... Uh, Arafat, Yasser Arafat, who is a, an Egyptian, who was run out of Egypt, as I said, uh, I was talking to Pastor Karskadin, he was run out of Egypt. He founded what was to become known as the Palestinian Liberation Army, PLO. Big deal back when I was growing up. Great resistance and all that. He even had American kids running off and becoming part of the PLO. Okay, it is a big deal, but it was a political thing that was started by an, an Egyptian reject and other rejects from Arab nations, and since they felt they could get some support from uh, their brothers in the Arab nations if they staked out a piece of property that the Jews had claimed they could get support in that claim. That's how all that really began. Arabs leaving their nations or being kicked out of their nations who decided that they would seize nation that does have a title deed. There, there's a deed to that property given to the Jews. It's, it's scripture. I'll talk more about it when I come back. In fact, I might uh, this week give you um, why that deed is good. If anybody can admit that Abraham lived, Isaac and Jacob lived, and that um, Ishmael is a son of Abraham as well, and if we can all agree that Jesus Christ was a historical figure as well as a biblical one, then you have your three religions, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's all there. I'll be back. <laughs> Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities. that You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop.
hands are lifted high. Our hearts are bowing in reverence. CL, back with you. You know what? Won't be long. We'll all be back in the saddle. Everybody back in place. The trains will run on time. Again, we must get back to that place where the trains run on time. Wouldn't that be great? I think so. Hey, listen, let's um, look at some of the top news stories here today. Of course, the president taking, pardon, the president taking hydroxychloroquine sulfate. Um, He admitted that. He told everybody that he was doing it. And now the news media is sort of blowing it down, unfortunately. Um, the president just wanted to be transparent. That's what uh, Kay Sonar, uh, that's the president's um, press secretary. Uh, and that's what he was. He was transparent. I think Kaylee's probably the best overall press secretary that he's had. I think I think she's good. She sort of reminds me of Dana Perino in a way. She really does. Um, let me emphasize strongly that any use of uh, hydrochloroquine has to be in consultation with your doctor. You just can't go out and get this stuff. Okay? Because the media, as as I told you, wants to paint this president in a bad light. Period. I don't care if it was found that hydro um, uh, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, actually cured cancer and could bring back loved ones who had lost their lives to cancer. Of course, you wouldn't want to come. Uh, but uh, but just the same, and in Trump on Trump's, and he was trying it himself. There's no question they find something wrong with it. The polls, as I told you a couple of days ago, the polls. There's nothing wrong with the opinion polls. The opinion polls are right. There's something wrong with you. Are you hearing me? There's something wrong with you. The opinion polls, they want you to believe that the opinion polls are, are right. The reason we're, we're having all this hype and this hoopla going on right now is because there is something, has to be something wrong with you. Let me emphasize strongly that, um, again, any use of hydroxychloroquine has to be administered because of the consultation you've had with your physician. Some of the misreporting on the uh, other networks, uh, 
mother and fathers. These analyses of uh, hydroxychloroquine ignore the fact that tens of millions of people around the world have used this drug for other purposes, including some people in my communications office who used it for malaria before traveling to other parts of the world. You, you do understand the type of hysteria that uh, the news media <clears throat> would like to drum up around this and have drummed up around this. And this is the type of stuff that causes people to say, oh, well, he's just stupid. He just ignores science. And that's an absolute lie. And you have been brainwashed if you believe that. And, and I'm not saying that as a, as a, uh, a, a pundit. I'm not. I'm saying it as an American citizen. To another American citizen, if you somehow think that the President of the United States is somehow wanting to do something nefariously wrong to the American people, you are mistaken. You are absolutely wrong. No, it um, <clears throat> it is people who want to keep up the American ire against this president that want to do this nation harm. When you have a Speaker of the House who will uh, allow herself to be visibly, <clears throat> publicly, uh, nationwide, coast-to-coast -coast seen, ripping up the speech of a president of the United States who has just delivered the State of the Union address. When you see that type of contempt for an American leader by a Speaker of the House, it's not the person who gave the speech we have to be concerned about is the person who is so deranged that they would tear up on public TV make a total ASS out of himself <clears throat> what can I say it it's a, you know total out of herself and, and, and I'm, I'm one of the people who um, gave Pelosi props for being such a uh, dynamite. Uh, spot on. Fierce politician. Do you know what it takes to be a woman in D.C. and kick men off of the political king hill to become a political kingpin yourself. And not only that, you become the only Speaker of the House in American history to have left the office and regained the office. That's Pelosi. But I am telling you, she is imploding And it's going to be downright, <clears throat> I think, dangerous 
these last these last six months leading up to uh, uh, this presidential election with Joe Biden fading like he's fading? Joe, Joe's just not up to the task. He's just not. They're going to have to admit that. He's not up to the task. Every week, Joe seems to sink a little bit more. He's not up for it. You know, and you know, who knows what we'll be up for when we're 76, 77 years old. Who knows? I intend to be up for whatever I'm up for right now. And I'm up for everything. <laughs> right now. I sure am. But who knows what, uh, you know, 15 years, 20 years will bring. Who knows? The Federal Bureau. So, you, friends, pay attention because it's going to be some dangerous times, dangerous times coming up here real soon. Their time is short. The Democrats, <clears throat> their time is short. And uh, they they have, to do, they have to pull out all stops. All stops. If they want to have any chance. Two, two objectives for them. One, hold on to the House of Representatives as far as numbers are concerned. Hold on to it so that Pelosi holds on to the gavel. That is the main objective. I don't believe that they think they have anyone who will be able to defeat Donald John Trump as far as President of the United States is concerned. But if they can keep his appointments stymied, if they can keep him handcuffed, at least with his hands handcuffed in front of him, because, I mean, he still has, you can still maneuver with your handcuffs if your hands are handcuffed in front of you. But if, if, if they, if she gets another uh, round as Speaker of the House and we maintain the Senate, they maintain the House, you're going to have exactly more of the same. And friends, you know how frustrating this has been. We don't want this. Vote them out. And let's um, see if our way of doing things can bring us back to prosperity and sanity because that's where we need to be. We need to be back to a place of prosperity and sanity as Americans. The way we're living it right now will ensure our economic failure and it will drive us as a people out of our minds. We will lose it. Um, we will start to hurt, harm one another. We've seen that on a uh, scale that has uh, grown over the last two and a half months. 
when we talk about domestic abuse, spousal, and child abuse have risen. Emotional reactions have risen like um, being anxious, suicidal to a point where the act itself the numbers on it has risen as far as suicide is concerned. Restrictions are something Americans just don't cotton to. Um, Import Importing cattle. Um, I know that we deal with other people, other countries, as far as you know, cattle is concerned, and bringing their meat here and sending our meat to them. But the president has a point when he asks the question, "Why are we doing that? We don't have to do that. We have so much of our own." cattle that uh, we we don't need to import anybody's beef here but it's because we, we they're our allies and we you know do business with them we give them some of their wires but as far as beef is concerned hey that's what's for supper yeah in fact uh, I'm tempted big time tempted to um, <clears throat> move on back. It just depends on how things go. Move on back down to the farm. <laughs> uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could live down there without Jane, but um, I don't know if I could live down there, period, uh, because that's just too many, too many memories. But we have our own beef, and the president is saying... Um, U.S. should consider ending cattle import deals. Now, of course, there are people who are going to uh, say he's nuts and all of that, but he said, I read yesterday, where we take some cattle in from other countries. We have trade deals. I think you should look at terminating those deals. We have a lot of cattle in this country. We have more than enough to feed them, feed ourselves. Mexico uh, exports more than a million cows across the border each year. They become part of uh, the beef supply here in America. Oh, yeah, Walmart, for sure. Yeah, Walmart, you know, that's what you're getting. Most likely, if you're eating beef, you're eating beef from Mexico. Um, Unless it's... I don't know, something else. Uh, Trump made the uh, the comments at the White House uh, event uh, held uh, to discuss how the $19 billion in coronavirus relief approved uh, by Congress to help farmers will be distributed. Farmers are making a comeback. And <clears throat> it's because of the farmers. And we should never forget this. It's because of the farmer that uh, we can uh, eat. Farmers actually make cities possible. 
you, you, you see, if farmers didn't farm massively, people would have to live where they can grow food themselves. Farmers make cities pop possible because they grow the food and then it's trucked into the cities where people are fed who work in industry and offices and do city stuff. And uh, listen, I heard people making fun of a uh, uh, Southern border's um, accent there. The president had him talk. The president even liked his accent. Southerners. That's who we are. I'm a Southerner. I have an accent. But I'm afraid that so many times when we think about Southerners and Southern people, we think about the things that we have been indoctrinated with on television. So, therefore, you're thinking about a person's grandfather, and they're not that person. They have none of their ways. They did it, however, uh, inherit, as I inherited my speech pattern from my ancestors. People do that. It's the way you inherited yours. You may be a Yankee. And that's one of the things that I've always had uh, an angst with, with my Yankee friends, is that somehow you guys always think somehow the way you talk is the right way to talk. No, we were, we were talking like this, you know, I think, long before you, while you guys were talking uh, like people up in New England, up in uh, Vermont, Vermont. We were talking like this, my dad talking like that. Anyway, <clears throat> we're all Americans. We're in this together. That's my point. And uh, to see it sickens me to see uh, a Speaker of the House or any American um, want to see the President of the United States fail or look bad. I'm always against that person. Never will be for um, I'll be back with more of the C.L. Bryant Show in just a few minutes, home stretch of today's show. Um, I have some decisions to make, folks, about where I'm going to live in this country. Got to go back to Shreveport, um, Louisiana. It's opening up, and I uh, have the memorial service with my wife, Jane, there in Shreveport, Louisiana. And um, I'll keep you all posted on how that is coming about and how um, you can be with us on the day that we have the memorial. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryan Show. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth So you clean me up inside You thought I was to die Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. 
God bless America. I do the best I can. Always been a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. Thank you so much for coming along with us as we build a bridge to conversation throughout our great nation right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. Um, well, I want to uh, close out the show. I want to do the home stretch here. I want to close the show today uh, looking at Senator Lindsey Graham. He has set the vote to subpoena big names, including James Comey and Mr. Clapper. Oh, yeah. James Comey and James Clapper, XBI Deputy Director, uh, National Intelligence. Uh, well, here are the names uh, Comey, Clapper, McCabe, and Brennan. Now, that's going to be fun. Brennan's going to be a lot of fun, Director of the CIA. Uh, also on the Graham's list is former FBI lawyer Lisa Page, former National Security Advisor Susan Rice, former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, fired FBI agent, and he's a star player, Peter Strokes, and there's 45 others. Oh, you think that uh, the little... Uh, Sideshow that Pelosi tried to put on to discredit Trump and the, the the hoax, the farce that she put on. Do you think that that was drama? Oh, you ain't horny, huh? Huh? I'll soon. In fact, I'm gonna take some a trip down to Southern Louisiana here real soon. Not just Shreveport, not just Louisiana. I'm gonna take on a trip on down to Southern Louisiana. Me down there where they say honey. Uh you better not believe that. <laughs> oh, I miss my I miss my Louisiana folks. It's beautiful up here in Colorado, but I miss my Louisiana folks. The flavor, there's no flavor like it. So, nothing like the South. But here, Lindsey Graham is bringing them in. Lindsey said he would. There was... A time not too long ago when I didn't know, I kind of, I, you know, wasn't too sure that Lindsey was going to follow through on all that. I wasn't, I wasn't really sure if he was going to do that. But he is uh, proving to be, in this case, a man of his word. Yeah, former President Barack Obama is not on Graham's list, Okay. Now, President Donald Trump had urged Graham to call Obama to testify, but Graham, he rejected that pitch. He decided not to do that. And I'm kind of glad he did, you know, because that becomes personal. Trump and Obama have um, been jousting back and forth. So if they want to do that, let them do that. But let's not destroy the presidency of the United States. Unless... And this won't destroy it, it'll only strengthen it. Unless there were gross 
uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, unless there were high crimes and misdemeanors um, committed. And so that's what didn't happen with President Trump. There, there were no high crimes. There were no high misdemeanors. It, there, were, there, there was no there there. But what maybe, and, and hey, you know, if you put enough pressure on some of these names that I have mentioned, if you put enough pressure on them, you may not have to call Obama. They may roll, implicate Obama themselves. Are you hearing me? If Graham and those on his committee, yeah, which do include uh, my good friend from Ohio, Jim Jordan. <laughs> if they are able to put enough heat on some of these folks, if there's any flipping to be done, if there is any rolling over <clears throat> to be done on Obama to save their behinds, they're going to roll. Unless, of course, they get paid. Then they won't roll. You don't roll if you get paid. To shut up. You go ahead and you do the time. And um, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. This, this is about to jump off big time. Uh, Graham noting U.S. Attorney John Durham's investigation of the um, <clears throat> Russian matter. You know. Is very, very important. Very important. And this is what I'm talking about. When um, Durham's investigation of the Russian inquiry has said he wanted to avoid interfering in an ongoing criminal matter. But check this out. The examiner said the subpoenas would cover documents and communications referenced in uh, and testimony at a hearing or deposition of any individual named or identified by pseudonym in a December report by the Justice Department's Inspector Generals. There are people who are about to be uncovered who were being referred to as something else. But in this subpoena, it appears uh, that we would be wanting to look at documents that would cover the communications with those people who were using pseudonyms, other names. This is going to get, and, and, and even though Graham's list of people he wants to call does not include President Obama. 
the people that he's calling, I am telling you, if you put enough heat on them, they will roll over on El Presidente. They'll roll over on President Obama. Deception, disaster, disease. What could possibly happen so swiftly in a world, on a globe, that has at least 200 different types of governments <clears throat> that function on the face of this planet. What could occur that would make all of those nations find it necessary find it um, important to create a one world type of unity in the way things are done. My goodness, what's going on? Is the place burning down? <laughs> Is Denver on fire? It's prone to do that. Not shouldn't be joking. Wildfires, wildfire season up this way. But through all the deception, the disaster, and the diseases, are there truly people who would want to use this time of crisis as a way to advance their political football? They, they're not going to let this crisis go to waste. One side, you see, firmly trying and certainly trying to help and assist the American people. The other side trying to make political points. Oh, you can see, you can determine which side you want to uh, take that on. Hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty, and here in the year twenty twenty, you have to have some vision. The year we are able to see clearly in hindsight is supposed to be twenty twenty. You can see clearly. Uh, we're beginning to see some things clearly. We're seeing the games that have been played and have been run on the American people. And guess what? There have been people running games on the American president. Are you hearing me? It, it, that's what's coming cl crystal clear in our 2020 vision here in the year 2020. We are seeing clearly we got 2020 vision for that in so many cases, we are being deceived. And guess what? Black folks, understand me. Hear me. Please hear me well. You have been deceived for the longest in this political game. You are going to come home to your first home in America politically. It was not the Democrat Party. It was the Republican Party. It's time now for you to understand your own story and come home to your original party of the black man in America, the Republican Party. I am predicting, even in the midst of this disease, this disaster, and um, this deception that has been going on, 
I am convinced that Donald John Trump is going to win re-election by landslide. I'm doing all I can to help. You you can become a part of a movement, Black Voices for Trump. I'm a founding advisory member, board member of um, Black Voices for Trump. Become a part of that. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Black Voices for Trump. On Twitter is Black Voices, the number four, Trump. And, of course, you follow me on Twitter at Rev, R-E-V, C-L Bryant, at Rev, R-E-V, C-L Bryant. In order for evil to prevail, my friends, all that's necessary is for people of good intentions and goodwill not to stand by. (laughs) Watch. That's all that's necessary. You do nothing. But you are doing something. Yeah. You are doing something. And if you understand what I was pushing across to you on yesterday, and I want to push this across to you again in in the final seconds, understand this. The most important days of your life is the day that you are born and the day that you found out why. You were born. Well, I want to thank God for bringing us to the close of yet another day, and I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the nation who defend around the globe, who defend our right to speak our minds. Until I'm able to talk to you again, I'm CL, and may God bless and keep you all. through